you know, you can have the greatest product in the world, but if you don't have great people behind it, then it may not go anywhere. I am unwilling to give up that I will start over from scratch as many times as it takes to get where I want to be. I want to be. You just want to make sure you will get knocked down, but just make sure you don't get knocked out, knocked out. So your only choice should be go focus on what you can control, control, control. Hi everyone. And welcome to the Kara Golden Show. Join me each week for inspiring conversations with some of the world's greatest leaders. We'll talk with founders, entrepreneurs, CEOs, and really some of the most interesting people of our time. Can't wait to get started. Let's go. Let's go. Hi, everyone. It's Kara Golden from The Kara Golden Show, and I'm so excited for my next guest. I have been following her for years and admired what she has built and what she has done. We have Stacy Madison here, and she is, for me, I knew her as the founder and the creator of Stacy's Pita Chips, which I'm sure you have along the way eaten and so, so wonderful. And she is now the founder of Be Bold Energy Bar, which uh, we were chatting a little bit right before we all got on here. And I didn't even tell her that we got the shipment and they are so yummy. And we're going to talk more about that. And uh, she's just had this amazing entrepreneurial journey and successfully sold Stacy's to Pepsi under the Frito um, Frito brand uh, a few years back. And she also has a new cookbook coming out, I understand too. And uh, and we'll talk a little bit more about that. So, but Stacey, such a pleasure to have you on the show. Thanks for coming on. Thank you. Let's not talk about the cookbook. It's not done either. <laughs> we will not talk about that. Okay. okay. But let's talk about Stacy and how, I, I just want to know as I said, I'm such a huge admirer of you and all that you've accomplished. So talk to me about sort of where did this all start? Where did Stacy grow up? Where did all this begin? Yeah, so um, a good trivial pursuit question with where I was born of all places. I was born in Fayetteville, Arkansas, but um, my family, ah. yeah, I was in New York and upstate New York until I was a teenager and then moved to Massachusetts where I went to high school and then to UMass for college. Then I went back out to California and went for my master's out there and then kind of bounced around a bit before I ended up back here in Massachusetts. That's awesome. And did you always know that you wanted to be an entrepreneur? Uh, I did not. No, no. At first, well, I mean, I went for I went to school for uh, clinical social work. My dad was a psychologist and I thought I would be a psychologist and he... Um, he encouraged me to be, this is just so sexist. He loved me so much. He wanted me to be successful, but it really was, he's a product of the fifties or was before he passed away. But, you know, he thought that a social worker was more of a job for a woman than to become a doctor of psychology. So, um, he said that way you can have a nice career on the side and have kids and stuff. So that's hysterical. So that's the path I was following because I don't know. It was easy. And how, so did you start out doing that? Yeah, obviously I changed. I did start off doing that and I was working in one of my dad's offices and yeah, eventually I ended up leaving. Uh, it was, you know, I was in clinical private practice and I found it very isolating. You know, I would kind of, I was working when other people weren't working and 
vice versa. And I'd go to my office by myself. I'd unlock the door. I'd lock the door at the end of the night. And, you know, I really had no other contact. And then when I did have a job that I loved in this group home, you know, it paid like $23,000. So, so eventually I just, um, you know, kind of gave up the whole profession. Um, I had always been in the restaurant business, uh, either cocktailing or waitressing. And, uh, you know, that's, it's a, I have to say, you know, you can always go back to that no matter where you are in the country, in the world. Um, you can really, it's something, a skill that you can always use. And that's what I used in college. And that's what I ended up going back to, you know, before I figured out what it was I wanted to do. I love that. Well, you'll, uh, uh, you'll love to hear actually in my book, I talk about that, that I, I ended up moving to New York after my waitressing job in Scottsdale, Arizona, where I grew up and, uh, had met a customer there who, you know, basically got me thinking about like, what do you have to lose? And you should just go out and, and just go try and interview at a bunch of places. And, uh, and that's exactly what I did. And so it was at the Teepee Mexican restaurant that is still one of my favorite restaurants. And I, I laugh about it because I, I have always believed that I could always go back if things that hint didn't work out or some of my other ventures along the I'm way. Sure I was, you. <laughs> yeah, I could still waitress. And, uh, you know, my kids laugh because I can hold a lot of hot plates on my arm. And, you know, and sometimes just for my stupid human tricks, I'll even show that. And they're, I think everybody should, should, uh, you know, work in the restaurant industry doing whether it's bartending or waitressing along the way, you learn a ton. You learn. How often have you thought about learning a new language only to be stopped by that memory of yours from the last time you tried to learn a language when it didn't go so well? Okay, maybe it wasn't a language that you were interested in learning, or perhaps all those poorly written textbooks in your sixth grade class weren't that well written after all. I have a great tip for you. It's called Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program around, available on desktop or app, no matter where you choose to learn it or what platform you choose to learn on, Rosetta Stone works and it truly immerses you in the language you choose to learn, quicker and easier than you ever imagined to. Maybe you're getting ready to travel abroad this summer and you want to learn a bit of Portuguese, let's say, before your trip, Rosetta Stone can help. I know this firsthand as I did just this before traveling to Portugal last year. I learned Portuguese through Rosetta Stone, and by doing so, I not only got a better grasp of the spoken language of Portugal, but it got me very excited for the trip itself before I went. They even have a true accent feature that gives you feedback on your pronunciation as you are learning too. They've got you covered. Rosetta Stone's trusted experts are the real deal. They've been helping people just like you for over 30 years, helping millions of people to learn Spanish, French, Italian, German, Korean, Chinese, Japanese, Dutch, Arabic, Polish, and my favorite, Portuguese. The lessons are five to 10 minutes long and include practical exercises so that you can pick up the language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. No English translations either, so you really learn to speak, listen, and think in the language you are focused on, helping you get the long-term retention you are looking for. And who wouldn't want that? 
Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, the Kara Golden Show listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today today. In today's world, which I will admit can at times seem filled with too much of the wrong information, it's essential to find a good source that truly gets to the heart of what I want to know. I am super excited about our next sponsor as I've been a big fan of their content for some time now. That sponsor is The Washington Post. Their depth on topics from business to tech isn't just impressive, it's essential reading for me. Whether I'm catching up on the latest tech trends or understanding how the day's news truly impacts my family, The Washington Post is my trusted source. Let's talk specifics. Their business and tech coverage, absolutely top-notch. Just imagine having the most insightful articles at your fingertips, including the unparalleled AI reporting from Drew Harwell or the pulse on tech and online culture from Taylor Lorenz. And the best part? You can listen to articles just like you listen to this podcast, making it perfect for your busy lifestyle. I was just reading an article from one of my favorite Washington Post writers, Frances Stead Sellers. She covers entrepreneurs like myself, but also covers other interesting topics, including health, as well as some very interesting books. I also love getting their For You newsletter, which is their roundup of stories tailored just for my interests, right in my inbox every evening. The Washington Post app is super well done, I think. It makes it incredibly easy to stay up to date and follow my favorite journalists on the go. And if you ever thought that the Washington Post is just about politics, think again. They cover everything under the sun, from climate and culture to crosswords and cooking, providing a world of surprising stories and vital insights. Okay, enough of the love fest that I have for the Washington Post. Here's the deal. Being a listener of the Kara Golden Show has its benefits, and this one is too good to miss. Now is the time to sign up for the Washington Post. Go to WashingtonPost.com slash Kara Golden to subscribe for just 50 cents per week for your first year. That's 80% off their typical offer. So this is truly a steal. Once again, that's WashingtonPost.com backslash Kara Golden to subscribe for just 50 cents per week for your first year. A ton and you look, there's, it's so good for people skills and it really opens up so many doors all over the world. Um, at one point after college, I was going to Europe with a friend of mine and she ended up bailing. And so I moved to London and got a job at the Texas Lone Star Cafe where they like to hire Americans because, to, you know, to give uh, the Europeans a feel. And my friend ended up bailing. So I went by myself and I said, look, I'm either I got an apartment. I, you know, I'm either going to get an apartment and a job. And I had a one way ticket. So I had enough money to last me, you know, a couple of weeks. So I was either going to go and get the job in the in the apartment or I had enough money for a ticket to go home. So it was either going to be a vacation or a move. And I didn't quite know. So, you know, I ended up 
staying there and then traveling around for a bit after school. So I love it. Let's get into the the PETA side of your of your life. So did you how did that all begin? I ended up moving to at some point after coming back to you know going through the whole social work thing and um then I ended up moving to Hawaii. I moved to Hawaii because I was started dating Mark who was getting his doctorate and he got a internship in Hawaii at the VA hospital. So I moved out there to be with him again, got another waitressing job and ended up working for this company. I worked my way up from a waitress to assistant manager. And then they were opening up a new restaurant, a surf theme restaurant. And they asked me to be one of the opening managers. I said, yeah, sure. There were five of us. Long story short, I ended up losing that job. I was waiting and waiting and waiting for my bonus. They called me into the office. And they said, sorry, we're going to need to let you go. I lost this job, but out of that, I gained very valuable experience. Um, I learned how not to treat people when, when you run a business. Um, I learned that I was really, I, I should have, they should have been up front with me. Um, and I would have just said, fine, I'll stay a year and help. And that's it because I'll want to go back home. But, um, you know, they weren't. And you know, they said they always, you know, my somebody told me, well, they always overhire for restaurants when they open so that they, they have the extra work and then they let people go. And that was completely new. And that's the way things were done back then. But um, so in that, I learned how to open a business for myself. And I said, if I'm going to work this hard for somebody else, then I can do this for myself. And that is where I started with the the cart um, and didn't have the money for a restaurant. So bought this food cart, converted it, and and served healthy roll-up sandwiches and the pita bread, cut the pita bread at the end of the day and baked it into different flavor chips, handed them away for free to people standing in line, and people loved them. And it was really hard to get the finances and everything to open up a, a place, so ended up going in the direction of the pita chips. That was the quickest I've ever told it. I'm sorry if I talk too fast. No, I, I love it. And so how long were you doing this cart before you turned it into actually what we see in two stores? Two years. Two years. And people were just asking you for it? Well, you know what? It was, um, you know, at some point, you know, I, the goal was not to set out and be on a food cart. You know, the food cart was really a stepping stone to either get an indoor location or something else. So at, at one point we were, you know, the cart was doing really well. And um, I was looking for indoor, indoor locations. They said, you can stand in line between, you know, behind Oban Pan and um, Dunkin' Donuts and everybody else who wants a tiny little spot in the financial district of downtown Boston. And so, it, so you know, it didn't look, I tried to work out a deal to do Stacy's at Macy's. I mean, everything, I tried every avenue. But eventually just decided, you know what, in, in all of this time, we started, started doing the design and the packaging and everything needed to launch the pita chip company and figured, you know, we could get bigger, faster without that same capital investment, which isn't necessarily sure we learned, but it was, it was a good start. And that's how kind of how the pita chip company was born. Like, how did you think about it then? How did you decide you went and had to get a co-packer, right, for your chips? And No, we built our own manufacturing plant. 
Wow. I mean, that's amazing. And how did you know how to do that? We tried to get a co-packer and um, yeah, there was no such thing. There's no, no, nobody made pita chips yet. Yeah. That is so wild. Basically we're self-taught. We learned it. Yeah. We went and we toured other facilities. We met with different machine people and equipment manufacturers. And we said, this is what we want to do. And we tried different things. We had a lot of failures (laughs) before we got, you know, we're two psychologists and a social worker trying to build this business and trying to figure out, you know, nobody has a background in manufacturing or, you know, in, in food, new product development or anything like that. So, you know, it was a a huge learning curve. And you were willing to pick up the phone and email people and just try and figure it out. And you know what? We're, we're like that determination, Yeah, you know, and that drive being, having, you know, two doctorates and a master's, right. As far as, you know, did anybody doubt what you were doing? It's a complete and total career change for all of us. And everybody doubted us. I mean, there wasn't, I mean, it was hard, you know, even family was like, yeah, they're trying to be supportive and, you know, you're standing on a food cart (laughs) and it's kind of like, nobody was really doing cartwheels. And so for us, you know, failure wasn't an option. And if this whole thing goes south, then, you know, we were all going to join the idiot parade and be the leaders right out front. It, it was, that's just where we were. So we just kept uh, researching and networking and, and, you know, until we figured out how to do each and everything, whether it was packaging or sourcing or, you know, pricing, you know, so we ended up building Willy Wonka and the chocolate factory. <laughs> I love it. You know, it's, it's funny. Gary Vaynerchuk always talks about like having, you got to, the successful founders have to have the vision, but also have to be willing to get in the dirt. And I think that, you know, I totally relate to that, right? Even to this day, I mean, you have to be willing to roll up your sleeves and go figure it out. And you talked about being, you know, not allowing things to really uh, daunt you in in the process that you just have to go figure it out. And I think that that's clearly what you're describing. So we used to say you have to be willing to jump the dumpster. Because you could really save money if you get on top of the garbage and you jump on it really hard and you pack it down, you can fit twice as much in there. Yeah. So we're like, you got to be willing to jump the dumpster. Yeah. No, I love that. That's hysterical. So what was your first store? Um, The first store, well, we started with a whole bunch of gourmet food stores, but our first natural food store was Bread and Circus, which is now Whole Foods. And yeah, yeah the part of the growth of the whole natural food industry, when we first started out, I mean, we just made the product naturally and didn't know there was a whole natural food channel, but we found that out. That's interesting. And so did you raise money along the way too? Uh, if using your credit cards and borrowing from friends and family counts, then sure. But no, we never took on any private funds. We were just a hundred percent on the whole thing. And how did you decide to sell then? Like how, how did that come about? We never intended to sell. And you know, when you, when you kind of, when you speak at business schools and all of this with no business backgrounds, you know, the, the exit strategy comes up all the time. And we definitely did not have an exit strategy. We just wanted to build a company 
doing what we love to do each and every day. And that was it. But as far as selling, you know, when we were approached by one global company and, you know, they took an interest in us. And then um, within a couple of months, another one, that's when we decided we should get a team together and maybe consider it. I had also, I had two-year-olds, you know, what it is, the whole building a business and being a mom and, you know, that's, that's a whole podcast in itself, right? <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. And then they, and, and did you stay with, once they acquired the company, did you stay with Pepsi slash Frito? I tried mm -hmm. and I wasn't sure um, if I did more harm than good. And so I ended up, I was going to stay for five years. And we ended up just ending my contract and I stayed just for one year. But the reality is that I still do stuff for Stacy's, the Stacy's Rise program. And because it's part of me and, you know, people think that, that you're not part of the brand, but, you know, you're always part of the brand. It will always be a part of you. So um, whenever they do anything, you know, all I want is the best and I want to see the brand grow and grow and grow, even whether it's mine or not mine. I love it. That's so great. And so talk to me about the Stacy's Rise program too. You mentioned that. Yeah. So, so Stacy's is doing a program now and, um, they're supporting female entrepreneurs. Uh, they give away, I think almost a quarter of a million dollars a year in to help women, start up and grow businesses they have a a bag and on the you know a stacy's pita chip bag and on the bag you can kind of scan the qr code and link to all these other female companies and they provide mentorship and support and so i mean everything i wish i had <laughs> when i first started i love it that's why I, whatever i can do it's 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 a great program that's so great and I talked earlier about your newest venture, Be Bold. How did that come about? So at first, after selling the company and doing some traveling and you know trying some private equity stuff and all that, you know, stuff so it just didn't fit. But I opened a juice bar so I could eat healthy and have stuff in my neighborhood. My kids could see me work. And one of the things that I sold at the juice bar was Be Bold bars. Um, they weren't called that at the time, but you know we made these energy bars, and so. Um, it was an item that I sold that grew organically, right? Mm -hmm. Just like the pita chips. It was not something that was created with an intention to sell, you know, just, it just was something that organically was a great product and we were sampling it and we were selling lots of them. And we said, you know, we should, it was, we were selling them out of the refrigerated section and yeah, it's like if we could sell this many bars out of our little juice bar in Needham, Massachusetts, then, you know, just do the calculator game, multiply it out and say, well, if we can do it, then they can do it and they can do it. And, you know, and so that kind of put us in a position where we should we felt like we should put together um, a team and figure out how to make them on a larger scale. And and that's what we did. Just like hint, like you like a, sometimes when you launch a business, you don't it's not like you know, oh, I have an idea. Well, let's just do this. It, it was organic. Yeah. You saw a yeah. need and you were like, we're just going to plug this hole. Well, it's funny. I, I was describing this on a on an interview the other day that I think being an entrepreneur and really being a successful entrepreneur is about 
liking puzzles. And the difference is, is that there's no end to the puzzle. And oftentimes people don't actually give you the picture and they take puzzle pieces away and you don't even know they're gone. And then suddenly, right, then they throw a bunch on the table and then you're like, wait, I didn't know I had more pieces. And then all of a sudden it just keeps going. So if you ever want an end. Yeah, don't be an entrepreneur. Don't, don't be an entrepreneur because it's it will frustrate the heck out of you. And it's, uh, and you know, you even talked about when you sell your company. I mean, this, right? Yeah, it's like all these business students are like, well, we have, well, what was your exit strategy? I'm like, exit strategy? Like, what is that? Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's it's interesting. My book that you and I were talking about earlier, I spoke at a business school a couple of months ago, and they're actually reformatting um, their entrepreneurship class based on my book because it they decided that after talking to other entrepreneurs and then speaking to me and reading the book, they said, this is not exactly, you know, the story of entrepreneurism. Really, it is about having a purpose, having a having an idea to solve a problem, and then rolling up your sleeves and just going and doing and having failures, having challenges, and then paying close attention, being curious, and then you know, continuing on from that. And uh, so anyway, I, I, I think there's definitely a lot of the main reason why I even do this podcast too. And I've really focused on founders and CEOs because it's, uh, I, I think that there's these stories that need to be told. It's not as black and white as a, you know, you're a unicorn or you're a failure. There's stuff that happens in between, you know, that I, that I love telling those stories. And, and, you know, it's funny because, because even when I, I was looking at companies for in the, in the private equity world for investments and things, it's kind of like you, you learn that there are great products, but it takes more than that. Right. And then there are great people like, and you know, so it's great people, great products, but you know, you can have the greatest product in the world, but if you don't have great people behind it, then it may not go anywhere or you can have some great people, but if they don't have a good product, then, you know, that could also fail. It's, it's just, there's so many little pieces, like you said, to the puzzle that can just um, cause it to fall apart. And yeah. that's where and the also, risk comes from. Yeah. And I think it's, it's a matter too. I, I, I mean, it just has me thinking about even when you were looking at finding, you know, a co-packer, you didn't stop when you heard, Oh, you know, nobody does pita chips like this. You instead built it, right? You, you know, you just figured it out. You didn't know if it was going to work. There were probably problems along the way, you know, that, uh, that happened, but you just, you learned. And now you go, I go back and look at some of those moments and just start laughing. And uh, you're, you're really going to enjoy my book and some of the stories. Cause you're probably going to be like, oh my God, you know, this is, this is crazy. You know, I'll remember, I remember we really, we wanted to get a consultant in and we weren't real true, real believers in it, but we, we scraped up $2,500 and flew up a, a consultant of all places from Frito-Lay, right? <laughs> a retired Frito-Lay exec who came in, saw what we were doing and said, these are delicious. And if you want to be a mom and pop shop, you're going to be just fine. But if you ever want to mass produce, forget it. You'll never be able to mass produce it and have it taste this good. And then we were like, uh, we were just, oh, seriously? And then we're like, 
but why can't, if we can do it for, you know, this much, well, why can't we just do exactly what we're doing this many times? <laughs> and if we had to yeah. set up like 25 tiny little ovens and get lots and lots of people, then why can't we just do that? And, you know, eventually that's not, and we ended up growing it. We did end up engineering and figuring it out, but it, you know, you have to just not, we could have just stopped there. Yeah. Yeah. But you were willing to just go and figure it out and be scrappy about it. And I love it. I absolutely love it. So what do you think was, what would you say is your biggest takeaway in building a business? Either one of these businesses, I mean, and they're, they're different right? In some ways. And I'm sure you brought in a lot of learnings from your first business and things you'll do. Yeah. And people. And people, right? Along the way. I, I think for me that the biggest learning was that I felt like I, I was constantly saying along the way, if I only had, you know, the right experience. Like I, I was looking at myself saying, I just don't know how to do that. But then I would go and try and do these things along the way. And, um, you know, I, I thought that somebody with big soda experience would come in and be able to just snap their fingers and get the stuff done. And what I realized was that that was not actually what was going to scale the business, that that was going to be and, and actually go out and, you know, do what I needed to get done. Because innovation is not really what happens in these large companies. And somebody with 20 years experience in these companies doesn't necessarily know how, how to do what I needed to get done. Exactly. So, that that startup phase is completely and totally different than the end game. <laughs> and so would you think that was one of your lessons as well? That was definitely one of the lessons, but to take that same thing and relate it to each and every woman or man or anybody that's starting a business to relate it to yourself personally, you have to go back and, and learn. Like, I don't, I can't say I honestly could like believed in myself. There are times I still don't believe in myself and you have to really acknowledge that you are the one that, especially when you're starting that knows all this stuff, nobody knows your product better than you do. And you have to really believe in what you're doing so that you can move forward. So, and I learned a lot about myself. Like now, as I, you know, I, you know, after even turning 50, I was like, I started to realize like, wow, you know what? I'm kind of a veteran in the industry right now. I got, I must, I must really know my shit. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think you do learn a lot about yourself and, you know, and, as I always say, entrepreneurism at, at certain points along the way may seem like it's this, you know, very high profile, sexy th business to be in, but it's, there's way easier ways to make money, <laughs> you know, especially in the early days of it. And it's, it's a, uh, it's a lot of work and you have to be ready to go out and, you know, sweat it out and fight it out in some cases, especially getting it into stores and fighting the, I'm sure you had moments along the way and where you're fighting big categories. I mean, obviously the bar category as well as the chip category are pretty competitive, uh, just like the beverage uh, set. So I can, I can only imagine, but do what you love and do what you believe in and, you know, definitely have a story behind it too. I think that that is um, probably more critical would you th than ever. Well, that's what makes it, that's what makes it yours. And that's yeah. what makes the difference between what we do 
and what you know the large companies do when they just launch another product. Yeah. You'll never be able to get that same brand loyalty as when you have um when you're that attached to the product. I love it. No, that's I totally totally agree. Yes, and and you know, be bold, live a bold story. We got some great new products coming out, some new packaging. You know, we've got almond butter bars, peanut butter bars, and um, now we're coming out with cashew and macadamia nut. And, you know, so they're really, they are just, we lead with taste and they're delicious. And all we do is mix, press, and package. And that's I it. love There's it. There's not a whole lot to it. They're so yummy. So definitely, definitely try them and continue to support Stacy's pita chips because they're so darn good. Um, and uh, really, really excited to have you on today, Stacy. So thank you, everybody, for listening and give Stacy five stars and uh, come back and see us every Monday and Wednesday to see and hear amazing stories from founders and CEOs tell the real stories about building their businesses and about just all of the ways that they can share with you to give inspiration um, to for you to go out and and do it as well. So thanks, thank Stacey. You, Kara. I, can't, I can't wait to read your book. Yay. Yay. Thank you so much. All right. Take care. Before we sign off, I want to talk to you about fear. People like to talk about fearless leaders, but achieving big goals isn't about fearlessness. Successful leaders recognize their fears and decide to deal with them head on in order to move forward. This is where my new book, Undaunted, comes in. This book is designed for anyone who wants to succeed in the face of fear, overcome doubts, and live a little undaunted. Order your copy today at undauntedthebook.com and learn how to look your doubts and doubters in the eye and achieve your dreams. For a limited time, you'll also receive a free case of Hint Water. Do you have a question for me or want to nominate an innovator to Spotlight? Send me a tweet at Kara Golden and let me know. And if you like what you heard, please leave me a review on Apple Podcasts. You can also follow along with me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn at Kara Golden. Golden. Thanks for listening.